Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Today I have a guest with me, Lynn Abate-Johnson. She's an author, speaker, and community builder. She is the author of the book, Out of Love, A Daughter's Journey with Her Mom to the End. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Dawn. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining me on A Teaspoon of Healing. Yeah. So from the bio that I read, Mm -hmm. you were the primary caregiver for your mother for over six years. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was. At this point in time, it's been about five and a half years. My mom died in 2017 in May. And so I've learned so much that I thought, you know, originally I was going to just publish my journal, right? Because I I kept a journal. One of the systems that, that we created when my mom got diagnosed was a system for communication. It was really important. And everybody who has ever dealt with it, a loved one who is ill or, you know, has any kind of accident or anything. The other loved ones who may live in other states or countries want to know day by day, what in the heck is going on over there? How are they doing? What kinds of surgeries or appointments or any kinds of, you know, procedures or treatments are they having? And so I started this online journal on caringbridge.org, which is amazing. And it's a free platform to use for people. So CaringBridge. I was writing every single day messages to the family and friends all around the world. People were reading it and then people were commenting and saying, oh, you know, we thought we were going to be consoling you and feeling sorry for you. And yet you're making us laugh. And so that's, that's great. (laughs) The way that I was kind of telling our daily stories was like, oh God, she's fell off the toilet seat into the trash can, you know, like in the hospital bathroom after surgery. And so it was, it was a way for us to disseminate information. And I was the writer in the family pretty much. So, and also the admin person and kind of my mom's right hand, as far as, you know, all the daily logistics and details. Mm -hmm. So the whole book really started as I'm just going to publish those journal entries. And then I thought, no, that's not, that's not really enough because there's more to the story. And people have asked me, you know, there's the before she got diagnosed, there's the during of the fight that we were in that roller coaster ride we were on. And then there's the aftermath, like what happens in the aftermath of a mother dying, like leaving five children and 10 grandchildren and a couple of great grandchildren behind. And then all of these other friends and family members. So the aftermath is really important because I've transformed uh, in many ways my life and in ironically in ways that my mom would have wanted me to. So for whatever, you know, your spiritual beliefs are, I I believe that my mom, she's here still. She's just not here, here. (laughs) Yes. And I, I love that what everything you shared and it sounds like you had a great community and was probably very helpful for you. So what advice would you give for people who have found themselves as caregivers for either parents or anyone in their life? They've just found themselves in the situation and they're going to take that on. There are a few things. One is, you know, you're going to be hit emotionally, very, very heavy. You're going to be oftentimes, whether it's an accident or, or anything else, or even a sudden death, you know, like my father-in-law dropped out of a heart attack at 55. So that was 
that was different. And yet the same, because there's still that emotional hit Mm -hmm. that we get first. And then there's for us, my mom was very systems oriented. She was my very first mentor in business development and growing businesses and growing communities. And so she had trained me my whole life for this to happen. Ironically, we never knew that was going to happen. And yet when it happened, we jumped into action. We basically created systems and structures around my mom's cancer diagnosis, almost like we started a new business. So I would say to help with that emotional hit, that impact of the emotions Mm -hmm. is to start organizing some systems. And I offer that also in the book and on my website, I offer these systems that are basically just checklists, right? I have like 12 or 13 PDFs on my website that people can go and access and, and copy and use. And so it was really important for us to stick, keep things as simple as we could because we had no idea what to do or what was going on. None of us had any experience with illness like this, illness like cancer. No, Nothing heavy had ever really happened in our family. And then here it was the matriarch, you know, got hit with cancer, ovarian cancer. And so between the systems that, that we created and, and then being able to ask, like ask for help, those were two really important things that we did uh, from the beginning. And the help that we asked for at the beginning was different than the help that we asked for down the road. Because at the beginning, admittedly, I'm, I'm a recovering control freak. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was a complete control freak. And so we, you know, originally we thought, oh, well, this isn't going to get us and we're not victims of this. It's not going to control us. We're going to control it. And then Mm -hmm. we learned over time, especially that first year was really, really pivotal is that it was a pivotal year because of the learning curve that we were on and we learned what we could not control. We it was very clear to us that we could not control a lot of what we were having to deal with day in and day out, um, month to month, year to year. And She defied the odds for her diagnosis being stage 3C ovarian cancer um, and having her tumor marker be so sky high at the beginning. It looked pretty dismal. Like I kept thinking any minute now she's going to be gone. We'd show up at the hospital and they would give us in the emergency department, they would give us end of life papers. They didn't know really necessarily what that thrash looks like that an ovarian cancer patient is going through. So she she did appear like she was going to be dead any minute, but she lasted for over six years. So there was a gift in the fact that we had that kind of time Mm -hmm. to learn about what we could control, what we couldn't control, and also to develop some patience in our lives. Because this, the other piece of us being control freaks is that we did not cultivate patience very well, Mm -hmm. especially the women in our family. And so and yet my mother was one of the most pragmatic people I've, I've ever known. And I started learning by watching her model, her pragmatism being so sick at times and still her pragmatism coming through. And how are we going to manage this and make her as comfortable as possible, help her get sleep, 
help her get nutrition. And you know, the systems that I, I've created and that I'm offering on my website and in the book are all about that. They're all about those little details. My whole purpose is to help other caregivers navigate maybe just a little tiny bit easier so that the emotional piece of it can be felt. It can be acknowledged and honored. And what I did a terrible job of at the beginning, especially feeling my feelings and being authentic about my feelings Mm -hmm. to the point where I was working in Silicon Valley at the time. And luckily I was working remotely. So they never knew that when I was still being a rock star at work, I was sitting in hospital rooms and doctor's office waiting rooms. And I mean, I worked and I still did a great job and I was still very productive, but I didn't say a word to my bosses. Oh, okay. And I didn't take any time off either. I didn't feel comfortable uh, bringing my personal life to work. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 11 years later, it's a much different scenario. Now the company I'm with actually encourages you to bring your whole self to work and be authentic and Mm -hmm. show up and how compartmentalizing does not work. It might work in a pinch temporarily, Mm -hmm. but what it did uh, in my system, in my body, in my spirit is that it really tore my nervous system down, just destroying my own health. Many people, they have to work full-time or they have a business they're running and that can be very challenging especially if one isn't remote, you are able to kind of hide that. And I I think it's wonderful that you have a company now that says, be authentic, you know, bring as much of yourself as you can. But a lot of companies, they don't want that. And it's probably also not great to bring it into there because then you feel, oh, you'll be held back or they're going to give the projects to somebody else. So how can somebody manage that, especially if they're in a very demanding career like you were in Silicon Valley and marketing and say that they're not remote? But which a lot of people are right now. Yes. Yeah, more people are now. However, there's still that very real scenario where you're not remote. You're having to go into an Mm -hmm. office. I mean, these days, I think things have gotten better. and And I'm really on a mission to be a part of the conversations that make things better for people. Not only the patients and the caregivers for the patients and the family members, but also for the medical professionals. You know, the doctors, the nurses, the skilled nursing, you know, like every single person, the ICU nurses who touch those patients, you know, I saw them the same way, Don, like Mm -hmm. I saw them not healthy. I saw Mm -hmm. them binging on sugar. Like I did. Um, I saw them taking only half hour lunch breaks from Mm -hmm. ICU. Like ICU is so intense. It's so demanding, you know, in the hospital, there's so many patients they have to see in a day and yeah. It's yeah. and that's I mean, not enough time to sit down and be able to eat nutritious food and feel yourself and take yeah. a break. Like, you have care, caring burnout because they're constantly oh caring for people. So there's the caregiver and then also the team. There's the well. team, the caregiver. And so back to your question about, you know, how to navigate at work is find allies. I did have a couple of people that I told and I said hey, I just want you to know my mom was diagnosed with cancer and I'm one of her main caregivers. They, I trusted these people to not judge me by that. 
they knew that I was going to show up and perform well, no matter what was going on in my personal life. So I, I was able to confide in a couple of people, but I swore them to secrecy. Mm-hmm. Now, today, I would even, I don't think I really was aware at first. I kind of went unconscious. I went into a place of survival mode, survival mode only. And so out of that, that's why I thought, oh, well, I need to be more like a man. I need to compartmentalize and I need to just do what's right in front of me. I would find those allies. I would create those systems just like I did. That I would do exactly the same. That really saved us a lot. I would work with the leadership. I would take the temperature of the leadership of my company now and I would just kind of feel it out. I would have some conversations that may be a little uncomfortable. Now, everybody has to assess their own risk, right? Like, are you willing to risk having those uncomfortable or hard or emotional conversations? Like, is this a place where if you started to cry, would you be embraced? If it isn't, I would say there's, you know, big systemic changes that need to be Mm -hmm. made there. And as a caregiver, you're not in any position to make systemic changes in your profession. However, there are things like if you look for some nuances and you look for some rays of hope, that's for me really important is to find some kind of ray of hope in the, in the administrators and the leaders of the company we can learn to ask for help and be a little bit more vulnerable as entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, even with this book, I've, I've hired people to help me. Or if you're in a family business, like I always was growing up, there are other people in the family that are also maybe suffering because they're the same family member that's, that you're taking care of. Yes. It's like exercise that muscle of asking for help. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit different of a topic, but mm-hmm. it's still related to caregiving and also the role reversal. Because if it's if you're yeah. a caregiver for your parent and you're a daughter or a son, mm-hmm. the role reversal that happens because they took care of you and now you're taking care of them. How can people navigate that, especially if they had perhaps a tense relationship with their parent? We had all of this. Like I'm my mother's firstborn. I'm mm-hmm. probably the closest to her. Probably this could be argued, but I'm very close to her temperament. And I really could read my mom without her even speaking, which actually was not a great thing a lot of the time because I'm empathic. And so I would pick up on how my mom was feeling, even when she was stuck full of, full of tubes and intubated in the ICU. It was I almost passed out literally like walking into that dark room and seeing her body, you know, just all puffed up and not able to communicate. And really she was the boss. And so when, when the boss or somebody that you idolize is unable to even communicate and say how they are feeling or what they want, talk about an emotional hit to the point where making me nauseated and almost passing out. I, I had to really, what one of my sisters called steal yourself. She'd like, we'd switch places going into the ICU and she'd give me a pep talk and she'd say, now you go in there and steal yourself, which means mm-hmm. get hard, like harden yeah. yourself. Well, that's all we knew how to do. I was fighting with myself because I was 
here in this position of taking care of my mom when she was the one that birthed me and raised me. And then I couldn't get instructions from her and I couldn't really get how she was really feeling, but I could tell just from the way that she was in that ICU bed. And then over the next six years, and we're all, I I used to think that this book was really for a certain generation of people, kind of maybe where I'm at, where we have aging parents and now we have children and I don't even have children myself. I have nieces and nephews that I've helped raise, but it's important to tap into that empathy and those relationships and whatever care you can provide that is natural for you. Like I wasn't going to be the one that was cooking all day and preparing meals. I have a different sibling for that, right? My youngest sister, I wasn't the touchy-feeling daughter. Like my mom and I did not have a touchy-feely relationship. I didn't hold her hand when we were sitting there. I didn't hold her hand when we were walking down the street. I didn't, there wasn't a lot of PDA. Like I wasn't very demonstrative with my mom. Like, oh, mom, I love you so much. I mean, I kind of practiced doing that. I exercised that muscle in those six years and and towards the end of her life. Um, but it didn't come naturally to me at first. We're yeah. sandwiched in between <laughs> aging parents. And then our kids are getting older. Yes. Some of my friends even have grandchildren. And so talk about caregiving. You're you're sandwiched in between all of these other generations. And I really, really want to acknowledge this and and call it out because I am fortunate that I had a great working relationship with my mom, although it was not touchy-feely. It was a bit tumultuous because we would go back and forth. And even during those cancer years, I remember there's a scene from a movie where Julia Roberts is the daughter of Meryl Streep. I think it's called August Osage County. Mm-hmm. And the mother, Meryl Streep, has cancer and she's not eating. And so the daughter, Julia Roberts, is sitting at the table with her trying to get her mother to eat. And I remember there, there was a big scene and it was pretty shocking the way that the daughter talked to the mother and she even called her a name in her yelling at her. And I laughed so hard because it was relatable. It was funny. And I was really glad that I never yelled at my mom because one of the things that I made sure my mom's going to die now, whenever it happens, she's going to die. Can't fight it. Can't change it. Can't control it. You don't know how or when, but what you can do is you can control how you are, mm-hmm. how you behave. And I was having these conversations with myself, like Lynn, you're going to say everything that you want to say to mom. Even if it's something that's maybe a little uncomfortable, go ahead and say it. I had the privilege and the liberty of doing that. But my main mission was no regrets. You know, I would say when it comes to being sandwiched, you know, if you have that relationship with that loved one, then you could be more hands-on. If you don't, it's a Again, it's a leadership journey. It's you asking yourself, what do I want here? Like, what is my deepest longing and desire for whatever time I have left with this person here on the planet right now? Mm -hmm. There's so many relationships, you know, mothers and daughters, no exception, that can be toxic or Mm -hmm. that they don't exist at all. Yeah where we've had to disengage from certain family members, whatever dysfunction there might already be in a family dynamic before a person gets a diagnosis or gets in an accident or whatever happens, 
those dysfunctional dynamics are going to explode once that person is gone, or maybe even while they're still on the planet. I appreciate everything you shared, and especially about people that may not have a close relationship or even a toxic relationship with a parent or a relative and taking on that leadership. And I appreciate you mentioning the book. And where can people find out more information about you and also purchase the book? I assume it's on Amazon. Yes, it is. Thank you very much for asking. Yes, it's on Amazon in all the countries around the world. (laughs) So I'm really happy about that. My website is The Hub. My website is the point of contact for everything having to do with me, the book, the free tools and resources. I've even built a small uh, but growing community that's not on social media. It's just a, uh, it's a separate community built by and for caregivers. So all of this you will find on my website, which is lynnabatejohnsonbook.com. So I know that you'll have that in your show. show. I will. LynnAbateJohnsonBook.com. And that these will be in the show notes as well, and it will be directly linked. But in case someone's just listening, that's where you can get that information. And that's wonderful that you have a community there for caregivers. And it's not on social media, which is nice. And I so know. people can connect that. It's, it's nice. And then it probably is monitored and I moderated. Monitor, I monitor controls. it. I moderate it right now. I'm doing everything myself right now. And there are other, besides Amazon, I'm really, really committed to getting into libraries, local bookshops. I don't want financial or social media barriers to be in the way of anybody getting this kind of support and encouragement and empowerment uh, through their caregiving journey. So I'm like thinking of all of the different ways that people could access it. And so... That's what I'm working on now is just like smaller mom and pop bookstores locally. And, you know, so wherever you liked it, there's some really good online book outlets that are giving percentages of their sales to uh, even mom and pop uh, storefront books, bookshops. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's really wonderful because there's the access can be difficult and yeah. mom and pop bookshops got to support them. <laughs> they they do so much for the community as well as libraries. They provide really, books for, yeah. you know, not everybody has the access and libraries. We got to preserve those. Yeah. <laughs> big, big fan of the library. I know me too. And you can yeah, get it on Kindle. Of course you could get okay. the ebook and then there's also going to be an audio book, which I've already re- recorded in my own voice. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And and just know that this is going to be so helpful for people. And I really thank you for, for coming on today and sharing your journey and information about the book. I just know it's going to help people. It can be really lonely to go through this. So I have not yet myself, thankfully, but you know, I, yeah. it comes for, for most of us and it, the loneliness, this is just what I've heard. It can be very isolating. So it's wonderful that you have a community and that you're giving yeah. advice about this. Well, thanks so much for having me and helping spread the word, Don. It's that's the most important thing to me is that the word gets out and that people know they're not alone. They're not, and mm-hmm. you're you're welcome. And thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing this for sure. the listeners. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you. Thank you so much again for coming on. Thanks. 
Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost. And we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.